and welcome to Pali, the Hindu's weekly discussion podcast. I'm Prashant Vermal, your host for today. Last month, the Union Consumer Affairs Ministry came out with a list of amendments to the Consumer Protection Act and sought comments from the public. Center claims that the amendments to the act uh, primarily try to rein in any unfair trade practices that these uh, e-commerce companies may be adopting. They also say that these laws will take care of the interests of consumers, but not really everyone agrees with this interpretation of the law. To discuss this matter, we have with us Anupam Manur, who is an assistant professor at the Takshasila Institution, and also Mr. Prithviraj Mukherjee, who is an assistant professor at IIM Bangalore. So welcome to both of you. Thanks. Good to be here. Thanks, Prashant. Good to be here. Anupam, I'll start with you. Could you provide like a general overview of your opinion on the draft rules? Uh, also, whether you think the draft rules will actually um, play to the favor of consumers? <laughs> right. Um, I think I'm fairly critical of the uh, these new set of rules uh, and on multiple accounts. Uh, one is just the sheer scope of the law. Uh, if you look at the wordings carefully, they say that, you know, it's, uh, it's applicable to all goods and services bought or sold over digital or electronic network. And, you know, I think the predominant narrative is that this will hurt Amazon and Flipkart, but it doesn't end there. Because when we look at all goods and services, it, it includes, you know, your uh, food delivery apps, Uber and Ola, probably uh, hotel booking websites, airline uh, booking websites, etc., etc. So uh, basically any kind of e-commerce. And that's a large kind of move uh, to be coming from the Ministry of uh, Consumer Affairs. And Which brings me to the second point, which is all about overlapping jurisdictions. Uh, you know, you, there's a lot of talk and we can get to the specifics later, but there's a lot of talk on dominant firms, etc., which, uh, again, should be under the regulatory ambit of the Competition Commission. There talks about data privacy, which, again, should have a, there should be a Data Protection Act. And, uh, of course, the biggest part is that there's a general MSME push uh, and a Make in India push, which, if you want to do that, should come under DIPP, which is uh, Industrial Promotion or Ministry of Commerce, right? So I think that those are the broad kind of problem areas. Uh, and to come to, you know, your specific question, I think it's, it's largely trying to push uh, Make in India and MSMEs, etc. under this garb or veil of consumer protection. Uh, Prithvi, your take? Uh, it's actually very difficult because, uh, again, uh, the whatever draft I have read is very complicated. Uh First thing is, uh, does it? So who does it? Who is it meant for? Mm. Is it is it uh, supposed to protect the consumer? Is it supposed to protect a brick and mortar store? Uh, and are the two actually aligned with each other? Does protection of A also imply the protection of B? Mm. Uh, to me, that wasn't very clear. To be honest, you mean uh, from the draft rules? From the draft rules. So you okay. weren't, uh, you didn't, I mean, in the rules, you didn't see a, a clear favor of, I mean, favoring of a certain group. I mean, a, in, in, I mean, the consumer or the producer. It's not clear. So what it, so what it seems like is that there is a set of regulations. Uh, I'm assuming that the intention is good. Uh, uh, I'm assuming that the intention is to prevent uh, one or two dominant firms from taking over 
not just e-commerce but uh, also uh, commerce in general right uh, yeah so i'd say uh, if, if you could uh, talk about specific provisions i can probably comment more but it's very difficult to put this as a general yes or no at this point okay so you don't see a clear favor being done to any group as such okay got it so yeah. so uh, since you asked a particular thing like uh, when i went through the draft uh, there's a lot of provisions about uh, grievance officers and a, like a, like, a, like a list of officers that these companies are supposed to appoint like either in house or uh, uh, whatever uh, so do you see that as uh, like necessary bureaucracy for this uh, for the whole sector to operate or do you see this as unnecessary bureaucracy okay uh see one thing is that you have a law the other thing is how you uphold that law right i'll give you another example in a slightly different domain for a long time we have what is known as a do not disturb list in our uh, mobile phone sector right and most of us are probably registered on that do not disturb list has that stopped you from getting spam yeah <laughs> that that's exactly what i mean so there is a law somewhere you complain you complain on social media you take legal action uh, in fact my service provider is sending me spam from what i know are scammers and i am reasonably certain that these people are doing it through the service provider and not have don't have my number in any other way so i'm i'm technically on a do not disturb list if i complain to my service provider i won't name the service provider there are three main ones the service provider just says why don't you register on the do not disturb list uh now the question is if you were to bring this down into e-commerce is is the same thing going to happen with the grievance officer i don't know so how you how you uphold this list is also how you up, how you uphold this legislation is just as important as the legislation itself uh, so you you basically think things aren't uh, necessarily going to happen just the way they're on paper uh, so we know so many instances of this right a banks asking you for aadhar for example that's another classic example you know that they're not mandated to ask you father but they still do and can you do you really have a place to go and air your grievance i don't think so uh, but but don't you think the uh, actually putting these things on paper like uh, so i'm not sure whether you uh, all this stuff on paper is actually too much bureaucracy but just because you put things on paper it always gives the uh, gives a little bit of power to the government or the officials to go after companies right Yes. So, from that perspective, do you think the uh, rules on paper are actually accessible, or are they okay? Uh, let's let's go to specific rules, maybe, and we can talk about that. Okay, but yeah, with the uh, officers as such, like the grievance officers and the rules about uh, making sure the uh, uh, there's a time limit to uh, the uh, there's complaint the uh, uh, officers need to get get it sorted, and then the things about refunds. and things like that so in principle in principle they seem okay uh, there might be hidden consequences that we'll discover only with time yeah i would actually go on to say that even in principle they are unnecessary so i mean I, again i can see the intention behind it but i i don't see that as a problem that requires an explicit intervention by the government right so you we've got customer uh, i mean amazon and flipkart or any of these places have a customer care center uh where you can you know lodge complaints and they'll take care of it by and large because there is competition and they want to you know uh, 
do well and uh, get customers back to their platforms. Uh, beyond that as well, there's there's a lot of other quality checks, etc. That the by and large these you know marketplaces put in uh, put in place as it is, right? Beyond all of that, right? There's the consumer quotes. If you really you know if some customer is genuinely undone uh, by some of the I mean some kind of malpractice on uh, this thing, you can move the quotes, right? So there's already a lot of provisions uh, you that you know you could try and strengthen, but I don't think again you need. Uh, a separate kind of uh, nodal officer or a grievance officer, etc. That just adds to the bureaucracy. We know that they're not uh, necessarily, I mean, we know that, for example, that there's not enough state capacity as uh, Prithviraj was talking about, right? That you, for uh, implementing some of these things. And so if you start a law knowing that you can't implement it, I think it's doomed for failure. So you rather not do it at all uh, if it's going to cause more harm than good. I guess also companies like uh, Amazon, I think they've been giving refunds, like a pretty easy refunds, even before any of these laws came in, I guess. like Exactly. So you need to look at necessity and then proportionality. Uh, and I think this current set of laws probably doesn't pass both those tests, right? It's not necessary to the extent and definitely it's uh, disproportionate to uh, the, the scale of the problem. So I, I guess what you see is the market itself uh, coming up with some form of self-regulation or soft kind of soft regulation. Yeah, I think I mean, yeah, that gets a bad name, right? When you say market regulates itself, people will suddenly. But that's the way it has been functioning, right? Uh, so yeah. <laughs> okay, that, that's why I actually bought the example of uh, Amazon actually giving out pretty easy refunds even before any law actually mandated those things. Exactly. I'll just add one point here. Yeah, We're sure. cherry picking Amazon because it's the biggest player in the market, right? Uh, so we started this discussion by saying that the scope of this is far beyond Amazon. For the e-commerce sectors in general. Now how do you define e-commerce is again uh, pretty... Uh, is it is it e-commerce if I go to the Big Bazaar website and buy something and then pick it up at the store? Yeah. I don't know. I don't it, know. It is, it is, according to these rules, uh, Prithvi, it, 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 that would be e-commerce as well because, again, all goods and services bought or sold over digital or electronic networks. So uh, I'm guessing if you're making the payment online, uh, yeah, it is just muddy, right? There's no clarity on any of these things. But uh, that specific example, I would imagine that it would come under these uh, rules. Uh, okay, uh, let me give you another example. I go to Big Bazaar and then uh, pay on Paytm. With a special, with a special, with a specific Paytm discount that they're having, I don't know if that qualifies as e-commerce or not. To be honest, yeah, so. that's where it gets really muddy. Okay, yeah. Uh, Prithvi, do you? Well, the, another question is, do you see any kind of a protectionism in this? Like, uh, I think there's also a, a provision about like uh, country of origin or whatever imports, oh. and also there's one thing about. Uh, uh, that these platforms should actually favor domestic goods over foreign goods. Isn't that like clear protectionism? Uh, okay. So first of all, I think you're using protectionism as a bad word. Um, it, that's not clear to me. Uh, every country has its form of protectionism. In fact, the moment you charge an import duty, it is implicitly protecting your own people against some other country's uh, importers, right? Uh, that said, uh, what we know is that a big company, and I, I'll specifically give you examples outside e-commerce later, will always find a way 
to uh, subvert quite a few laws. So let me give you the example of a ban on tobacco advertising. Did that stop India's largest tobacco company from uh, 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 sponsoring a World Cup or the Indian cricket team? No, they just found another way, right? Uh, surrogate advertising. Uh, in this case, do you think that one of the world's largest and okay, I'll cherry pick a company, but one of the largest companies in the world already has what it calls its subsidiary, right? Indian subsidiary, which has a separate name. I'm not going to take names, but for all practical purposes, you know that the separate name is actually just a front for a larger foreign company. Point one, that's going to happen. Uh, point two, it's very difficult today to say what the country of origin of something is. Is right. A Xiaomi phone manufactured in India. Is that an Indian phone or is that a Chinese phone? I don't know. A Samsung phone manufactured in Vietnam and sold in India. What is its country of origin? I don't know, to be honest. Uh, these 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 uh, questions are still going to come up. So at the end of the day, I think it is checking boxes. There is no. Uh, the spirit of the rule will never be implemented. Uh, what will happen is that companies will find uh, increasingly creative ways of subverting the letter of the law. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I'll tell you what, so there's, there's a bit of conflation of issues here, right? Because there's, on one hand, there is uh, what I think Prithvi is talking about is uh, vertical integration. That is, uh, your, let's say, e-commerce marketplace also doing retail. Uh, so marketplace acting as a retail, uh, this thing as well, right? Uh, yes, there are problems with that. There's uh, there's violation of what you would call as platform neutrality. And, uh, but, but, however, it comes down to the fact that, A, this is in the jurisdiction or should be in the jurisdiction of competition commission. Uh, or at best, it could also be under commerce ministry. It has got nothing to do with what, you know, consumer protection. So it's in the wrong place. Again, uh, and remember, they've been trying to do this inventory model. They've been trying to attack this inventory model from multiple places, right? Uh, one is, you know, the entire FDI rules. They've been uh, on from commerce ministry, etc. So they've been trying to attack it from multiple places. And now they try to push this through uh, the consumer protection angle as well. So, but it, that just doesn't make sense. The second part is that on the country of origin, uh, which is different from your, you know, your vertical integration problem. So your country of origin, uh, again, there's a extremely, and I, I'm, I'm not afraid to call this out, but I, I think it is extremely stupid. Um, one is you got to state what is a country of origin. That's the requirement. Now, fair enough. I mean, probably that is something that we can debate. But the fact that they're asked to provide a domestic alternative at the same time, I think that's not level playing field. Uh, I, I don't see any kind of economic reasoning why uh, a commerce marketplace has to, you know, push for a uh, domestic alternative. It, that's not a job and that's not what it wants to do. I mean, if, if the domestic alternative is really that good, then they can compete. I mean, and people will choose that as they, you know, as they would. 
based on the economics of it or based on the quality of the products or et cetera, et cetera, right? Or based on the price. Um, so trying to, again, trying to push this, uh, and, and I will say that this is protectionism and I do use that derogatorily, uh, you know, and pejoratively because this is protectionism. This particular thing that, uh, you know, your marketplaces are supposed to provide a domestic alternative is for me, it reeks of protectionism. And I, again, I use that derogatorily. Arpa, what do you think of uh, the uh, consequences of a particular th- things like the uh, bill bans flash sales and also uh, bans <laughs> like uh, talks about fallback liabilities or if you could look at uh, talk about the uh, unintended consequences obviously the uh, cons earlier uh, the bills i mean the government would say that the uh, intent is to protect consumers but what are the unintended consequences that you see yeah so i i mean again we can uh, on the flash sales bit i don't even see how that is supposed to help consumers i mean uh, in my understanding and it could be primitive it could be wrong but on any general understanding you would think that flash sales will help consumers right i mean you're getting a discount for at a limited period of time and and so some people who can take advantage of that will get uh, benefited from that so i don't see why curbing or banning flash sales are supposed to help uh consumers right and second bit is just again the wording of it it's just so wrong and and it's uh, all over the place so they've said you know things like significant uh, reduction in price or a high discount what what do you mean by significant reduced uh, price right is 20 percent significant on an iphone uh, maybe to you it is maybe to me it's not uh, i want a 50 percent etc right so again the wording is just wrong on on multiple levels and it's just open to uh, different interpretations which will mean that again as uh, again prithvi was saying uh, these big companies are experts at you know arbitrage so they will find a way to uh, negotiate and navigate through these things what are the unintended consequences who do you think will not be able to navigate through these laws and have a team of lawyers who can help them it will be the relatively smaller smaller sellers smaller e-commerce platforms etc so what you're doing in fact is the opposite of what you wanted to achieve, which is help out your uh, small sellers and so on, right? So uh, for me, that that is the first thing that will happen, right? It will discourage even the fallback liability, for example. Uh, having a nodal officer, I would imagine, will be probably the one of the highest paid jobs in that uh, company because you're holding a person who's, uh, who's going to be liable. It's not going to be an easy job. I mean, we've seen with what happened with Twitter uh, with the same set of kind of uh, laws, right? So... Uh, so that's i think it's going to just increase costs for uh, e-commerce i think the bigger players can somehow manage or navigate their way through it the smaller players are the ones who will get hurt which is the opposite effect of what you want to achieve uh, fallback liability again uh, it just makes no economic sense it, it displays a brazen misunderstanding of what marketplaces are supposed to be right uh, because you know it, it's like you know uh, a kirana store selling let's say washing powder and you find that a problematic right or whatever there's a defect in manufacturing and you hold the the kirana store liable that makes again no sense that's not how marketplaces work right so uh, i think again it just it betrays a lack of understanding of what marketplaces are supposed to be and this will hurt the industry in 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 the larger sense right um, yeah basically all your online sites it, i think it's going to just increase the costs on a lot of uh, these things because it, there can be court cases there which means you'll have to lawyer up uh, and and so on and so forth prithvi do you, do you have something to add yeah so on flash sales i agree with anupam like uh, i don't particularly see so 
if i were a brand and i were doing flash sales i think it's a terrible idea for the brand but that should not be a regulator's concern yeah <laughs> uh, it it devalues your brand it's the brand's concern but i will say something about deep discounting now the law does not really specify much about what exactly constitutes a deep discount but let's go a little bit into the history of why uh, they may have done this so if you go to america for example you know uh, there are some big players with big pockets who did what is known as loss leader pricing so this was uh, let's say walmart for example ha huh. so walmart for example would go into a small town america and set up business one thing that they would then do is set up a pharmacy this was just one example of what a loss leader pricing would look like and in america you know medicines are very expensive so walmart would say for one month you bring your prescriptions we'll give you free medicines uh now what's going to happen is that the small pharmacies uh cannot match that they go out of business but since you have gone to walmart which is outside the city you are going to do other shopping as well right which means in turn the grocery stores also now lose out on business and walmart gives you low prices there as well uh if you look at the american retail space uh the small time retailers essentially went out of business now let's go to another uh, context france so france realized that this sort of deep discounting can create problems so what they mandated is that you cannot sell anything cheaper than the price you have bought it for so you have to actually talk about your procurement price and there are only two and these are called sale seasons there are only two approved sale seasons a year when you can get rid of excess inventory uh by going lower than your cost price and in france it's very popular those two seasons people go and buy a lot of things at discounts but other than that you can discount but essentially you cannot go below your cost price the idea is to prevent a walmart like situation uh in this case so in principle i think having a law against excessive deep discounting uh, i am not against it uh so if you go and look at paris versus new york the retail space is there you will see that there is a huge difference uh maybe not that much new york because new york is not typical of america in that sense but uh, if you were to go to um, harrisburg pennsylvania you are not going to find too many small retailers there you will you will however find a big walmart outside which does a bulk of the business uh but, but do you think that actually uh, like this favors the consumers i think so so over the long run what will happen is that you won't be dependent on one guy uh, so is it consumers or are you preferring or or are you trying to favor the small retailer this is a question that i cannot answer straight away uh but you in india at the moment we are not seeing uh, we are not close to a walmart like situation or if you want to say an amazon like situation either right so amazon in the us for example has put barnes and noble out of business barnes and noble in turn uh, a few years ago maybe 20 years ago put the mom and pop book sellers out of business in india we are not close to that situation but i can see the intent behind such a law but again what is a deep discount in so the in france it is very clearly defined what it is uh 
you cannot go below cost price uh in this case it's not clear what it is uh, as anupam said right uh, a 20% discount may not go below cost price for example uh so i i can see the principle behind this uh again uh the law wording itself uh, it's not very clear to me what a deep discount means and if you have a response we can go to the next question <laughs> yeah no just very quickly i think retail density in india is amazingly good uh, compared to many other countries in the world right so again comes back to the question of necessity do we need this law in this fashion at this moment the answer is no uh, given again you have to do a cost benefit analysis right uh the kind of harm that it can potentially do versus the potential benefits that they imagine i don't think it adds up i think the harm is higher at this point so re- india's retail density is really good um there is a lot of competition uh, among the retailers e-commerce still is a relatively smaller amount over uh, overall retail uh so given all of these situations i don't see a need for this law just yet and i i don't think it is again forward looking and that it's anticipating a problem and therefore it's in uh, <laughs> you know a, a solution to a future problem as well okay so if that's the case like what do you see as the reason these laws have been made like what, like obviously the uh, government says that the reason is to protect consumers but there's always something else in case there is something to this case as well i mean now we i think we'll, we'll be going into speculative territory which yeah. is uh, slightly unsafe but uh, by by i think most people's reading it is just to help uh, i mean again you can take a cynical political view which in all probability might be correct but you know we we have to go into the voter base who votes for uh, the current party the merchants and yeah if there's a case they yeah you can make that I I think yeah that again but that speculation right I have to state that I have no evidence to prove that's the case because you can't understand motives you know oh, oh, uh, whatever you've seen in other cases like uh, in other uh, examples of what's happened in other countries who who have been the interest that have wanted a certain kind of law how is it uh, I think even before going to other countries I I think you can look at an overall policy approach taken by let's say this government over the last few years and for me that whether it is on payments you know the whole mastercard thing whether it's twitter and ku whether it's something else you know if you look at it from a holistic perspective uh, that tells me that they in in some way they want to encourage uh, this whole make in india thing because that's one of their flagship schemes and and they're trying to do you know put in any kind of rules to promote that and uh, not realizing the kind of harm it can do uh, in the long run even for the domestic indian firms and i can you know talk about that but later uh yeah but uh, according to me you know you if you just look at that holistic kind of thing a series of steps in 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 different domains uh from uh, increasing import tariffs on various products uh, encouraging this domestic manufacturing uh, whether it's yeah uh, social media app banning tiktok you look at it from a holistic perspective it tells me that they they have a, you know they want to kind of in, uh, promote domestic industries Uh, Prithvi, do you see any underlines to this uh, bill, or is it just the stated intent? See, okay, again, uh, very difficult to impute motives. But even if you were to impute motives, I don't think vote bank politics comes here. To be very honest, I don't think anybody is going to think of, oh, this guy banned Chinese imports, so I'm going to vote for him. Uh, could there be lobbies? Yes. Uh, 
do i have suspicions who those lobbies are yes uh, am i willing to share them no so what could be the reason like no as i said i said i i do have i do have speculations i am not willing to come on record and share what those speculations are <laughs> that's that's probably wise uh, prithvi <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah. I want to talk about like all these rules about uh, protecting consumers and things like that. So uh, there's also the uh, risk of regulatory capture as well, right? I think it's kind of similar to the previous question, but uh, we can just shed light on the uh, even just the theory. You don't have to uh, name sources or anything. Yeah, the risk of that. Any of you? Yeah. Okay. No. So I, I mean, with in India, this and speaking very generic. Uh, whenever there is extremely complicated set of rules you will open up the chance for this kind of regulatory capture um and here you know again uh, whether it is uh, go back to that fdi rules on uh, uh, fdi rules on again e-commerce you have a sinking feeling as to why that was done right and and there was some form of regulatory capture there there's regulatory capture that happens all over the place so knowing that uh if you're doing this deliberately then again it it probably that is the intended outcome again bold statement probably speculative but that's what i'm uh, going with prithvi yeah i don't have a comment here okay <laughs> but you even uh, another aspect of these too many laws i mean uh, you see i mean uh, i think even uh, uh, anupam talked about in the first place uh, the while answer the first question about uh overlapping jurisdictions jurisdictions between the different uh, both cci consumer affairs and stuff so do you see that like how exactly do you see conflict between these agencies playing out so uh, yeah that's highly possible uh, that's highly possible uh, my entire concern is that these laws are going to be made and will be and uh, as i said i still get spam on my phone despite there is some law somewhere about do not disturb uh, i do not see these laws being see the more laws you have the harder they are to uphold also right uh, jurisdiction becomes an issue it becomes complicated etc uh, i am going to go with a cynical view that a lot of these are not just going to be upheld at all these have been done for the sake of doing and maybe that's about it Do you agree, Anupam? Yeah, I mean, uh, so the so CCI themselves actually have put out a statement saying you need a more calibrated and a measured approach towards uh, some of these things in response to the uh, these set of rules. So that should give you an inkling about the potential kind of conflicts that can arise uh, because you have one set of rules coming from, let's say, consumer ministry, and another set of rules coming from a competition commission, and yet another from. Uh, you know department of uh, industrial promotion uh, that's bound to create ambiguity which will create uh, you know higher transaction costs more uh, loopholes for people to go through a whole bunch of you know unintended consequences so uh, on that you should be careful uh, there there's another way to look at this one is of course that a lot of it will actually not take effect or some of it will take effect just enough to create a lot of hazard uh yeah, and and increase transaction cost for the companies but the other way to probably look at it is that they've deliberately created this extreme set of rules uh put out for draft consultation such that a milder version will get passed maybe they're toying with that idea uh that I, i'm not sure but again that's speculation 
what it will lead to is policy uncertainty i think that uh, there's no two words about that they lead to policy uncertainty and ambiguity which will hurt uh, which will hurt the players across the board i mean all sorts of industries will get hurt because of that which is not good news at all at a time when you know you have decreasing investments in overall in india you know if you look at uh, capital formation over the last 10 years and so on it's dropped 10 percentage points uh, right now fdi is not really forthcoming there's a whole bunch of things happening uh, the pandemic is hit jobs are lost etc at this point of time you really got to ask yourself is this your top priority is this something that you should be doing which can further at least potentially hurt investment and hurt job creation i don't think so i think that's why it is all the more bizarre that they've come up with these set of rules now Okay, so, so last question is, let's say you're a policy maker and uh, you want to help consumers uh, as the intended, uh, I mean, the intent of this law, like, how would you actually help consumers like in terms of, as a policy maker? What kind of laws would you have? What would you change about the current system? Uh, okay, I'm not an expert on this, to be honest. Uh, so there is some sort of, uh, I think, a principle that come there are two principles that come from two different stakeholder perspectives one is uh, consumers should not be cheated uh, so any law that uh, uh, deals with deceptive advertising uh, or essentially uh, yeah is any law that deals with uh, penalties for deceptive advertising, leaking of data, spamming is in principle, uh, I think, uh, desirable. The second is uh, laws. If you see that there is some sort of a monopolist coming in the picture, uh, across the world, even the most capitalist economies will take action on that. Uh, that. Uh, the other thing I think, uh, I don't know if... It, probably doesn't come under the ambit of this, you have a large number of gig workers in the e-commerce sector. Uh, I think their uh, needs somehow, somewhere need to be addressed. Uh, we do hear horror stories of delivery boys not uh, being overworked or not uh, getting enough rest time, etc. And almost every big e-commerce player uh, can be uh, potentially named in this. So maybe, uh, but that's probably not in the ambit of this law at all. So I won't go there. So you don't see the current laws actually addressing these issues? It doesn't uh, address the issue of uh, of uh, gig workers' rights, for example, right? Uh, yeah, Anko, I have the same question to you as well. Like, how exactly, yeah. what would you do to actually benefit consumers? The, yeah, yeah I, I would approach this problem by first asking, you know, the basic question. Uh, before any form of government intervention, I would ask, what is the market failure that you're trying to address? And you scratch the surface um, and, you know, you keep digging and you find that there is actually no market failure that this particular set of rules are trying to address, right? There's one set of market failure, which is that there is concentration of market power, which, again, Prithvi alluded to. Uh, so that is, I think, a genuine concern, uh, requires some form of intervention for sure, but not through the consumer protection rules, right? You have, again, I, I'm probably now repeating myself like a parrot, but you have a, an entire body dedicated to doing this, which is called the Competition Commission. So you don't need you don't need to address it through these set of rules. Second set of rules, I mean, probable market failure could be information asymmetry. 
but you know the whole point of the e-commerce marketplace is to reduce in into large extent reduce information asymmetry as well right the fact that you can compare different products the fact that there's a rating and review system uh, that customers actually help out each other you know the network effects come into play so uh, that is by and large taken care of if you need to do something beyond that you can set standards so you set standards as to saying, okay, uh, whether it's the ISO marking, etc., all of these are different ways in which uh, the government actually tries to reduce information asymmetry. You carry on with that, right? There's no problem. Now, beyond that, if there is people who are being cheated through the system, I think that's where, again, you have a consumer court. So, which will help. So, you can tidy up that process, reduce pendency, increase accessibility, uh, increase even education on the fact that there are consumer courts, you can move and so on, right? But beyond all of that, I will say that, again, look at our any standard shopping experience. You go out, you buy something, it may be good, it may be bad, you know, you um, either have made a good decision or a bad decision based on the information you have. So, again, increase information, but, but based on that, you make a rational thing. But not all of our purchases are top-notch. Sometimes you can buy things which are substandard. So I there, you either live with that and learn from that experience and buy better next time. Or yeah, if you're deeply hurt and it's a really expensive buy, move the quotes. Consumers already have these options available to them, right? So uh, this happens in, in all our purchases. You might buy, you might go and eat a masal dosa and it might not be the best dosa you've had. What are you going to do, right? Are you going to hold uh, the this thing? It's just so, I think you're over-regulating here. Uh, for a problem that doesn't exist to the extent that they think it exists. So uh, that's my main uh, problem, right? Uh, that's or that's my main contention that for a lot, you're trying to solve a problem which probably doesn't exist uh, at, in the same magnitude. So th therefore, uh, you need to relook at this. Or I will put, uh, again, a cynical twist to it. A lot of the consumer protection rules that they've come up with for the e-commerce retailers should... For, I mean, for in all reasoning, should apply equally to brick and mortar stores, right? So if you're willing to do that, which again, it will not work and it, it's a nightmare to deal with, but there's no reason why it should not apply to brick and mortar stores, by the way. Whether it's flash sales, uh, liability, uh, fallback liability, whether it's uh, misleading advertising, all of those things, by the way can be equally applicable to brick and mortar stores. The fact that they're going after e-commerce should tell you that the the entire motivation is different. Okay, and there's also the question of whether the government actually has the capacity to implement all these laws. <laughs> of I course they do. Yeah. Okay, okay. No, the worst part is actually yeah. if they start building the capacity to do it. Ah, yeah. <laughs> that would be even worse. Okay. Uh, Why do you say that? Yeah. Well, the, it's your taxes going into it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you, if you set up another bureaucracy just to uh, take care of this, that means uh, yes, over-regulation is one thing, and I agree. Yeah. So, essential idea is that uh, retailers should all be on the same footing. Uh, that that is a principle that we should. So, uh, whether it's e-commerce or non-e-commerce, um, and. Overregulation is by definition overkill. Uh, so, yeah, some basic um, beyond some basic protections, uh, I don't think uh, we should be looking at the regulations. Yeah, I think you earlier made the point about uh, whether these laws will actually remain on paper or whether they will actually be implemented. Right? So, 
So let's say India actually gets the capacity to implement these laws. Uh, from that perspective, do you think these laws will be, if they're actually implemented, will they be? That's a very big if. That's a very big if. Uh, I, I can give you. So uh, to be very honest, even consumer protection. So Anupam is a big favor, uh, is a big fan of consumer courts. How many of us have actually gone to consumer courts? We have all been cheated, I'm sure. Yeah, but which means that you know the cost-benefit analysis doesn't add up. So exactly, if- exactly. So we don't have enough protections, and the company also knows that. So there are many times I've been cheated. Uh, big levels, small levels, different levels. There are many. Uh, I don't even know how to go to the consumer court. Yeah. I, so at best, what I'm saying is strengthen your existing systems before adding another layer which you can't implement. Yeah, absolutely.